621 on a Friday morning. Happy Friday to you. It's a sweet, sweet Friday. It is, although it's a smoky, smoky Friday, apparently. And uh, I guess that's just becoming a fact of life this particular summer, and we'll take it as it comes. Doesn't seem to be particularly noxious today, but it was more present when I stepped out of the house than it was yesterday, and things seemed pretty clear yesterday. All right, so let's talk about the day's big stories. Deb Hutton is here, former senior advisor to two Ontario premiers. Happy Friday, Deb. Happy Friday, John. We start with this perplexing and incredibly depressing story of uh, Toronto homicide detectives not necessarily saying that it is a homicide, but at the very least, they've come up with a name and an an identity for this girl whose body was found a year ago. And I find this story beyond sad, but also extraordinarily perplexing because, for example, police say they went and informed the mother. Well, where has the mother been? Yeah, and and I think those are the kinds of questions that we're all asking ourselves this morning. It is uh, there's nothing other than to say it's just so unbelievably sad. And it is possible this child was in care. It is possible mom didn't know uh, where she was. I mean, we just, there are so many questions here. Uh, Obviously, the police haven't said yet that it's a homicide, but my goodness, I I can't imagine that it is anything other than some form of homicide and or neglect. And that just for a young child, uh, not even probably starting school. Yeah, it's just I, I just don't even know what to say, John. Yeah, no, I don't know if there is anything more to say because it's it's just so sad to think that somebody can vanish from the scene at any age, but in particular as a young vulnerable child, and it doesn't get noticed. It doesn't get noted. I mean, like I said, where has this mother been? And you're right, maybe she was in care, but still, you haven't heard from your four to five year old daughter in a long time, and you hear the body of somebody who seems to resemble her has been discovered and you don't do anything. So maybe one day, Deb, we'll find out more. Uh, Let's move on to some other things, including uh, Google is now joining Meta in saying it's going to remove news links from Google searches in Canada. And yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll let you say whatever you want to say about this. I find the big companies are playing fast and furious, but they're going to they're going to be schooled eventually. Well, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I didn't really care that much about Meta. Meta. You and I have talked about it before. You know, go to News Talk, Talk, News Talk 1010 to get your news. Go to CTV News to get your news. So it didn't really bother me. I do do Google searches, though. I, I, I really do. And part of that is uh, when we're preparing to chat in the morning to see all of the stories that are available. And it's fast to be able to use a, a search engine like that. So this now is into the level of where it impacts me. However, I I think this is a case of government with the right motive, but the wrong execution. Because if the liberal government's plan was to try to protect uh, and ensure that, that journalists and news organizations here in Canada are paid for the work they do, which we can all agree is the right thing, they seem to have screwed it up because if Google is not going to be using our news sources, are not going to have contracts as they did, for example, with Canadian press, then that harms our our journalists and our news organizations as well. So I think ultimately there will have to be a deal here. I don't think that uh, while Google's playing hardball along with Meta, I, I don't think that the Liberal government is going to be able to 
completely play hardball back. And we're going to have to find a way that we can actually do what their original motive was, which is to support journalism in this country. Pierre Polyev, leader of the federal conservatives, has had a bit of a makeover. He's got uh, more textured, wavy hair. He dumped to the glasses and it's a completely I didn't even recognize him the first time I got up this morning and took a look at this on Twitter. What do you make of it? Hair, glasses, clothes. Those are the first three things you do. They're a little bit late here, I think, with PR doing this. Um, I mean, glasses are always so controversial in politics. Sometimes you add glasses to make people look a little less young, a little more earnest. If you've, if you're battling the, the notion that someone is, is not ready for a job. I mean, think about how much we talked about, uh, Justin Trudeau's hair in the early days. Um, clothes. I remember Dalton McGinty. Anyone who, who follows politics will know anytime you saw Dalton for the most part, he was not in a blazer, but he was in a tie, no jacket, just the shirt, sleeves rolled up, and the tie, always red or a shade of red, was done up but slightly low, and the collar of the shirt was slightly undone. And we always assumed as conservatives who, who were up against Dalton that it was because he had weak shoulders and they were trying to look like he was a little more, um, a little like more strength that he alluded more strength because you looked to the tie at the neck as opposed to the shoulders. So there's a great example of how clothes impacts things. Uh, the biggest issue I had to deal with, if anyone recalls how he looked, was Ernie Eve's hair. He, for years, slicked his hair back, and one day, this was not uh, the strategist's idea, he showed up with a very, very different haircut that was the topic of discussion for weeks. So there'll be a short-term discussion around whether this is the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do. Personally, having gone down this path with a number of candidates, I actually think it looks good on him, and by the time election time rolls around, we won't remember the old Polyev. Yeah, it is funny, though, because it is so surfaced to be obsessing over somebody's glasses or hair or the shape of their shoulders, but people make decisions about whether or not they like or even want to vote for somebody based on sometimes very surface things. Absolutely. And, you know, most of us uh, decide if we want to color our hair without a second thought. Do we like it? Oh, yeah, we do. Let's stick with it. Oh, we don't. Let's go back. When you're in politics, every little move like that matters. Everything you wear matters. A new survey finds two-thirds of Canadians are not inclined to buy an electric car, which is kind of curious because actually electric cars have arrived at the point where they're not an eccentricity anymore. They mostly could service the needs of the average motorist. Yeah, but a lot of us are hypocrites, John. Ah. <laughs> like, when it comes right down to I mean, we, we had a hybrid car and then it got stolen. And when we looked to replace it, uh, the company that... that I wanted to purchase from because it wasn't the company that had been stolen twice, uh, didn't make hybrid. They haven't, they're two years out from making their hybrid vehicles. We bought it anyway. It, for us, it was about size and, uh, you know, we, I wanted a bigger vehicle and safety and something that wasn't on the hit list for being stolen. So the environment was not top of mind. We, we asked about it, would have preferred to do a hybrid car, but all those other considerations mattered more to me. One of the interesting things about electric cars, and this was something that was on my mind when I was shopping for a car the last time, is they're kind of like cell phones. So if you get an electric car now, four years from now, it's going to be technologically completely out of date and therefore much less marketable. So, you know, that's one mitigating factor. 
It's true. Although I think that about my uh, my big SUV, I do wonder if in a few years it will be less value for people because we will eventually get to be more open, I think, to electric cars. And part of that is more charging stations. And part of that is also longer charges on, on the cars. And that's the technology piece. So the uh, city of Dubrovnik is banning wheeled suitcases, which sounds petty and stupid, but I can kind of sympathize. If you live in a cobblestone neighborhood and people are constantly coming and going with the bang, da bang, da bang of a wheelie suitcase, then yeah, you'd probably be annoyed. Then ban tourism. Like if you <laughs> want to be that, you know, NIMBY, that's ridiculous. My God, the best invention for somebody who's older, or in my case, somebody who has young children are the wheelie suitcases. Like, just to think, I think about, we didn't travel that much by, by plane, but I think about, you know, having to get those big carts and all those things that my dad would have to wheel through an airport because none of us could carry our luggage. Like my kids backpack on their back and wheelie suitcase, and they are good to go even at the age of two and three. Okay. So you're not going to Dubrovnik then? I am not. That wasn't on my list to be no, fair. No, but... exactly. It wasn't exactly on my bucket list. Thank you. Have a great weekend, John. Deb Hutton on the morning brief.